Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 51 of the Wing... I'm sorry, 52 of the Wingman Podcast. And I'm lucky enough today to have Bo Brooks with Higdon Outdoors and Power Calls on with me to talk turkey and get some pointers and just bs about hunting uh bo thanks for coming on the podcast man i can't say enough how much i appreciate having you well i'm just happy to be here and i love talking turkey so get a get a get an opportunity to talk about turkeys with someone that likes to hunt turkeys i love doing it so <laughs> yeah no i hear you there that's it's that time of year man have you had a have you had a chance to get out and get after birds and early yeah yeah not as much as usual but um Already shot shot our birds in Florida. Uh, went to Alabama the other day. Got got on some birds. Um, about to head down to Georgia and then North Carolina. And uh, it's usually usually you know this the seasons are a little bit off this year. They pushed them back a little bit in the South. So um, I'm a little bit later than usual. So I didn't draw in Mississippi or any of that type of stuff. And public land got pushed back in Alabama, so I had to hunt private. So and Georgia just opened. And so. Yep. Um, I, uh, I've got to hunt a little bit and had a fun time doing it, but I'm really, really ready for, ready for the get out West and, you know, knock a few of these States down out, down South out and hear some turkeys gobble. Heck yeah, man. So you've got, you've got your Osceola bird out of the way in Florida. You got an Eastern bird down in Alabama. Um, it's interesting what you said about pushing, about the States pushing dates back. That was, um, when I had Dr. Michael Chamberlain on the podcast about this time last year, he and I were, that was one of the things he and I were talking about, about the future of turkey hunting. You know, yeah. we don't, we don't necessarily see the impact that, that hunting has on turkeys here in Wyoming and in Montana. Our birds, we, they don't get as much pressure as, as those other states birds do. And yeah. our birds mortality is 100%, um, pretty much not 100% obviously, but it, it has to do with winter and predators. That's how, that's what, that's what rules our Turkey populations out here. Absolutely. So what he was talking about is pushing those dates back due to additive mortality through hunting. Those birds are just so much easier to kill early, early in the year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that's, it's funny you say that. I don't, I don't per se think they're easier to kill earlier in the year. Um, I really like hunting later, actually, um, but that's just my style of hunting. But I do think it's time for a change. I hunt the South down there. Man, it is hammered with people. Like I came from out West and it is completely different. The tracks are so much smaller of like public land. Um, and I think that one thing that they, I'm happy they did is they actually pulled the bag limits down a little bit. Like Alabama was five. They pulled it down to four and Mississippi. I mean, that, They've, uh, and I even think that maybe they pull them back a little bit. I don't know. I'm not a biologist, obviously. But well, that's been a famous line the last the last week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I just, I don't know, man. All I know is that the biggest thing I think that a person can do to help is, man, I think is trapping. I, honest to the good Lord, think that I'm, moved down here to the south a few years ago it's nothing like out west 
there are raccoons and possums by the millions and they're not, no one's trapping them anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? And so imagine that, you know, they get into one nest. There's a chance she might lay again, but this is a talk for a different day. <laughs> no, man, I, I don't, I don't think so. And I, we can, we can get back to some about who you are, but we're, we're rolling on a topic that I think is important to talk about. Yeah. And I don't think enough people truly understand, you know, whether they're, I think the big game guys get, get it, especially in the West when, when we're talking about predators and predation. And I yeah. think the waterfowl guys really get it with talking about nest predation and chick predation. But I don't, I don't think a lot of turkey hunters are really keyed into just how important predator management is. Absolutely. And I think that another thing is, is the people that I know that do it are seeing direct results. You know what I mean? And so let's, this is a good example. Um, out West uh, on the place I used to guide, they were killing about 1500 coyotes a year out of a helicopter. Wow. And so we were seeing fawns with being, seeing about every doe had two fawns, at least one, but most of the time two where, and we were seeing just a bloom and, and our population did that mean there was no more coyotes no we still see coyotes all the time but there's a natural order to things that and there's a huge problem i think in this especially the south with this predation you know there it's, think about that though that you get a trail camera down here in the south anyone that lives in the south you'll see how many raccoons and possums come through every day you know they come through every single day eventually one's going to run into that nest and they're going to for sure eat all the eggs. And if you get the right raccoon, it'll kill the, kill the hen as well. Right. Uh, right. And, and that's, that goes for coyotes too. I mean, trapping coyotes is important, but turkeys have all the odds against them. We've known that. And that's why they're, they're so smart. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and one of my statement when I met Earl said earlier about easier to kill is I think it just has to do with that time of the year and their behavior and what they're doing establishing dominance and pecking orders and all those things they're they're a little more susceptible i should say to to a good decoy setup and 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 different strategies and yeah. so i think what you said about pushing those seasons back and reducing bag limits i think it's smart because you've got to make up for the other variables that you're not controlling which is predation yeah absolutely i i don't i don't know enough to really speak on the pushing the seasons back. I'm, I've learned, I've been taught up on it. What I, and I still don't have a true stand on it. Um, it's, it's that, that's hard to say. All I know is I do know that I have friends and people I've met that are trapping and they're seeing direct results. Um, and I definitely know that hunting as hunters, we're getting more effective. TSS yes. decoys look exactly like turkeys. Um, and I mean, it's just it, the calling sounds probably a little bit better. And like, like we said, if we want to, especially if it's coming from you, man, <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's, it's, and that's the thing, like that TSS, you can shoot them at, if you really wanted to, you could probably sit there and get in a pinch point. And you're probably going to kill that bird, even without a decoy. And so I think the bag limit thing, pulling it back a little bit, you know, if you want to kill a few more turkeys, just get in the car and go to the next state over. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Out, pay for pay for another another um, non-resident tag so that it helps conservation. 
Man, you hit the nail on the head with that. And it's easier, it's easier said than done with gas at almost $5 a gallon, depending on where you are. But I completely agree with you. You know, it's like you can do, you can do turkey hunts in a long, over a long weekend, you know, take a fry, take a leave on a Thursday night hunt, get to your spot. Hunt. If you're hunting the neighboring state, most of us can be in a neighboring state in a handful of hours, you know, yeah, and mostly about five. I mean, for yeah. most, I mean, that's, that's doable. Um, and I mean, if you really are worried about it, rent a Prius. I mean, I've hunted turkeys out of Ford Escapes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had, there's a story that kicks around here around the Easton's office about back in the old days when they were first getting started with the TV show that, uh, and, and Eastman's bow hunting journal, that guy and Cameron Haynes hunted out of a Subaru Outback. Oh, well, they, I, I, I believe that Cameron's from the land of the Subaru and the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't oh, blame it at all. That's too funny, but I'll have to we, show you a picture. I've got a picture of a six-point bull on a, my my mom's Ford Escape. I I shot when I was seventeen. I went to Idaho, went over there, called the bull in, shot him, packed him out, and took him home. And my and on the top of it was a six-point bull. Heck yeah, yeah, man! Yeah. You got to send me that. That's awesome. Yes, oh, well, let's back up a little bit. We jumped right in the deep end of the pool right off the bat, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, Bo, you, you are definitely one of the best turkey callers that I've ever heard. You know, if you guys haven't seen Bo on social media and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you need to check him out um, because if you're learning how to turkey call or want, want pointers on turkey calling, just listening to what the things that you can do is pretty pretty incredible and i'll have you get into you know maybe some tips and pointers here shortly but who is bo brooks man um where did you come from who are you well um and that being said guys if you are learning how to turkey call you look me up on social media i have tutorials so it, teaching trying to teach everybody how to do what i'm doing and break it down and what it means but as far as who i am i'm i'm just i'm bo brooks um I'm from a small town in Washington state, believe it or not. Don't hear that from many turkey hunters. Um, no, I'm not just a turkey turkey hunter. They call me the animal jukebox, the translator. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 um, as far as I've done like competition calling my whole life, I'm not as into it as I used to be. I really just love to hunt now, uh, but I did it in every species. So um, that I just, I grew up, hunting my whole life you know if any of you guys have, are elk hunt at all you probably heard of my dad casey brooks um pretty well known in the bow hunting industry for shooting giant bulls but i kind of always wanted to do my own thing you know what i mean dad was super well known for his elk hunting accomplishments and i loved elk hunt and i believe me i loved elk hunt it's one of my favorite things in the world i guide i hunt 30 30 days in archery season you know every day i could possibly hunt but Turkey hunt, turkey calling and hunting brought, it just was so, I, I'm a bird nerd too, man. I just love having them. I've had pet turkeys my whole life. I just, really, yeah, I do. And, and I, I've learned a lot from them, but it's just, it was something that my dad really didn't do. Him and I learned together. He actually went on, he went on a few turkey hunts before I was born, but didn't really do it. And then he took me on a youth hunt when I was 10 or nine years old. And it was a elk turkey hunt. You know what I mean? We walked 18 and a half miles in a day and a half. 
hoofing it, you know, calling, acting like we're elk hunting, man. It's yeah. it's real, and that's that's how I've I've learned how to hunt turkeys in every situation now. But that is my roots, man. Just goes right back to, uh, goes back honestly to elk hunting and western hunting, and so it's it being out there all the time like that it just makes you such a great woodsman too and it just i man it's such a blessing to grow up where we have so much public land and honestly west coast has a lot of freaking turkeys so yeah. you're you know. not the only one that said that i had uh baker levitt on from black ruffle coffee uh, yeah. a few weeks a couple weeks ago and yeah. he, he was talking about his favorite place to chase turkeys is oregon yeah it's no <laughs> it's 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 mine too uh mountains you know there's two different types of way to hunt turkeys in oregon the down in the down in like the southwest corner it's like real it, it's the most turkeys i've ever seen in my life honestly like it's just incredible you'll see 50 tom, uh, not toms but 50 turkeys in one field and it's just in their people's yards are everywhere I, I mean, I'll hunt them down there, but I'm a mountain guy. I love getting up in the mountains, walking in deep, driving my car all over the place and finding elk horns while I'm out there. You know, I, I, I got this thing I do. I throw elk horns when I find them because I got tons of buddies that are shed hunters. I'll take the, take a video of it and throw the shed. I always pick it up, but <laughs> what are you doing? So that's awesome. Yeah. That's, it's funny you say that how easy it is to slip into elk hunting mode when you're turkey hunting out west you know and i don't i i literally use the same rig for turkey running turkeys as i do hunting elk i don't wear a vest out here um it's everything's like in call pot in pockets bino harness um backpack you know everything's in a backpack because you know you're gonna be out if you're gonna commit to that you could be out all day you need well, to be you're walking behind gates you'll be in like four miles yeah just, yeah. just to, that's where the birds start you know and yes and yes. just because you're out west doesn't mean there's no pressure i mean i've seen it where there's six or six people at one gate you know what i mean and so you know we've got to work out here too it's not like we could just drive up in the mountains and randomly just get into turkeys like you like know where they're at yeah yeah that if you're hunting those mountain birds like you said you get out of the get out of the farm bottoms or get out of the agricultural ground and you get you start getting up in the mountains, man. That is that is tough, tough hunting, because you're yeah. covering miles and miles and miles just to strike a bird. And I, yeah. for me, a turkey vest doesn't cut it. Doing that, it doesn't ride well. It's not comfortable. I can't carry layers, you know, that I need. I mean, you All know, right. it's, it's right. same, same thing. Sick of vest that came out with the small. That's what. That's the one I can wear. Yeah, you know, there's like it's like nothing almost there. And so I can get, I get, I like wearing that one, but I, before that, I never wore a vest. I just oh, but leave it, but leave it to a company like Sitka that's got Western roots, you know, yeah. to come up with something that you can use for dual purpose. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, even in the, and so bringing it back for mountain turkeys, it's very, there's a lot of mountain hunting in the South too. They're like Georgia starts Appalachia there, man. And that's why I'm so addicted to hunting Georgia. It's just like an, a hardwood version of home cool. you know what i mean and so you can hike in like get behind the gates and i mean i'm a i'm a mountain man so like a lot of these guys will walk in you know 300 yards off the road oh man i got in there deep i'll go three miles back in there <laughs> i mean th not even catch my breath because it's not high altitude it's actually 
it makes me kind of feel like I'm Superman when I'm, <laughs> I'm there. But it it there's days that it puts a whooping on you because it's steep. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of up and down in that country. The yep. uh, where I I I'm going to Iowa actually here in Minnesota here in, in about two weeks. And same thing, you know, in the part of Iowa that I'm going to be hunting, it's rugged country. It's yeah. that it's that Mississippi River bluffs country, and it's up and yeah. down. And you don't have to go very far to wear yourself out. No, it's slippery too, man. <laughs> those in those rocks and stuff like that. It's I I don't know, man. It's it's so cool though to be able to go across the country and see things and see how much of a crossover there can be. You know what I mean? A turkey that's up on a hill. It's usually a turkey that's up on a hill. I don't care where he's at. And that's where he's going to want to be. He's the king of that hill. You know what I'm, it's, it's really cool. And I mean, yeah, I even do the same stuff for elk. I mean, so it's yeah. pretty cool seeing the crossover. It is cool to watch how all those different skills and, and hunting tactics crossover, you know, being, being part of the Eastman's umbrella, I get teased all the time about, you know, I say, oh, you know, turkeys are a lot, hunt, hunting turkeys can be a lot like hunting elk. If you're doing it, you can do it similarly. No way, you know, and, and they get all, no, no, no. And it's like, no, they're, they're, they're quite similar in it. And you can apply some of the same tactics and strategies, but that's eh, super cool. But so you work, you work for Higdon Outdoor and Power Calls, right? Yep. What do you do there? So I have, I have many hats here. Um, I was originally brought in to design. I actually owned my own call company a long time ago. It was called Brooks Custom Calls. And they, they brought me in here and I've had a few um, offers through the years to work for different call companies. I just turned them down and, but they offered, they said, Bo, come in here, help us with the turkey decoys we're gonna come out with and help us with and build all the turkey calls. I said, you know, and then they said, you can be involved in the waterfowl side is I'm a very avid waterfowl hunter. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see this. And I asked around to a bunch of my friends and, and um, they're like, this is something that you can't pass up. And so for the first two years, I came in just doing that building calls, actually started hosting the TV show, um, traveling all over but they still allowed me to go back out west and guide from august to december and so doing mule deer archery and rifle mule deer hunts and archery and rifle elk hunts and and then i in the spring i would disappear and go turkey hunting but creating content in the in the scheme of things yeah at the last year and a half i fi they finally got me here in kentucky and um i picked I'm a, i've been a photographer my whole life so they brought me in i'm doing photography videography um so i'm doing digital marketing also helping oversee call manufacturing and every skew and i also build the turkey calls um, i actually have a team helping me now um and you know host the tv show started that new series bow hunting mm -hmm. and um still get to guide i said if i'm going to work for your full time i'm still taking 30 days off in in september i'm going elk hunting so nice yeah nice good yep. for you man that that's that's a western boy right there you just yep. I'll, you can give me a live in kentucky but i ain't giving up september in the mountains nope there's no there's no way you'll ever get me to stop elk hunting <laughs> it's just it's in my soul and i also told him the same thing about turkey hunt but it goes along with my job here so luckily right. Right. <laughs> Well, you are a you are a jack of all trades, man. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I you know I I don't think 
it kind of plays into I hear you hear it all the time. You hear young guys or young young people. I want to get into the industry. I want to, I want to do this. And I want to do that. And they, they pigeonhole themselves a lot of times. Well, I'm a photographer or I'm a guide or I'm this, or I'm that. And you just hit on like six or eight different things that make you successful at what you do. Well, I'll tell you, I also, I can, I can mop a mean floor <laughs> and being, being, being willing to do, do it and get into it and, like when I was guiding, I was also filming all my hunts. You know what I mean? And, and taking pictures for the clients and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's just one thing I, I, I think about is, you know, you're so lucky. Well, you make your own luck where everyone else is out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love drinking beer, but I out partying and <laughs> I was hunting. I was making sure I go to bed on time so that I, and I was, I was working, I was guiding so I could go hunting and then film and take pictures. And when I should be, my friends were out going, running all over the place, I'd go to bed so I could get up the next morning to make sure that I'm hunting, you know? And so it's, I've kind of slowed down now as much as far as my hunting goes, because I've got obligations with work and stuff, but um, I still get to do it a lot. And so I, I mean, if I had to give any advice to someone that's wanting to get into the industry, like I get that question all the time. There's a lot of opportunities around just because you take one job, like say you started work, working in the warehouse. If you're hungry for it, you're going to start climbing. You know what I mean? If you just, if you're, you know, you, like you said, if you start guiding though, that's kind of a tough deal is you're going to probably stay a guide. You know what yeah. I mean? Or end that's, up owning it or end up owning your own outfitting business. Or... Exactly. But, but if you want to be in the industry, don't be afraid to mop the floors. Don't be afraid to do something that someone else doesn't want to do. Show that you're ready to keep moving up. And, and like, as far as the photography stuff, I was decent at it. I started when I was 16, but I'm like, screw it. I want to do this. I went out, saved my money, got a camera, a really good camera. And I created all the content for the next year for all of our, our, our turkey skews. And I'm like, this is what I can do. They're like, get you, pull up a chair. This is your new desk. You know what there I mean? You there you go. Man, you're, you're just, you're spot on when you're saying you create your own luck, you know, you create your own spots. And yeah. if you, when you see successful people, that's not luck, you know, that's hard work and dedication that got them there. And I don't care if we're talking about professional athletes, we're talking about, you know, professional professionals in the hunting industry. I don't, I don't care what it is. If, if you see people that have achieved things at a high level, it is, that's the product of hard work, dedication, long hours. You know, I, I know a little, I know a little bit about the content production side because that's what we, that's what I do too, is the host of wingmen. And it's the hunting is a small part of that. You know, you go out, you're doing, you're doing your hunting. And then when you're, when it's all done, you're still working. You know, and you're working the whole time. All night to the next week. And you're working on that one project that you started that day. And it, and it's, and a lot of people think, oh, you get to go hunting all the time, man. I can't tell you. It's really not what you would think it is as far as hunting. You know what I mean? Content creation is not going out there, having a good time with your buddies. It's working. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if you, if you've run into this too, but a lot of, a lot of your buddies, after a couple times of going along on content creation hunts, 
they don't go. They don't want to go anymore. No, they don't. Like, it's like, oh, say that again. Or, hey, go stand over here. And, you know, yep. you're directing, you're field producing the whole time. And it, yep. some guys are like, yeah, that's cool. And other guys are like, nope, don't want anything to do with that. Oh, oh yeah. I'm like, hey, you call in three different birds in one day and they're just out of camera view or they're, and where they could shoot them all day or they're not beating the, or they're not standing by a decoy or something. I'm like, I'm trying to get shots this. Like, okay. And, and I've had buddies drive home. You know, they're like, screw this. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 you know, you, you say that. And I, I was talking about that, uh, that little Iowa trip I've got planned. One of the ways that, that I keep myself from not burning out on it is to do, because I'm going to hunt no matter what, whether, whether it's for, whether it's tied to a paycheck or content production or contracts or whatever it it's taking those family vacations or taking that time to go do stuff. That's just for you when there's no, there's no obligation there, you know, Leave the camera at home and have fun with your family or friends or whatever. I would imagine that your trips back, back to Washington state in the fall to, to guide a little bit are kind of therapeutic. They, they are. And I mean, I'm guiding, you know, working from three, you know, from we wake up at 3 a.m. and if the bulls aren't bugling and where I'm guiding, I'm going to have to go all night looking, for, trying to get bulls to bugle in the dark to, for the next day, you know, but it doesn't matter because I'm just, I'm home. I'm in the mountains. I don't have to worry about taking a picture. I don't have to worry about, um, I don't have to worry about what's going on. My cell phone gets shut off for that whole time. <laughs> except for the Saturday that I go and check emails. You know what I mean? And it's just, it is, it's a godsend. It truly is. Yeah. It probably gets you through the rest of the year when, when the, yeah. the waterfall and the Turkey grind. Cause I mean, I, like I said, live in that world and from you go from waterfall in November and it pretty much doesn't, there's not a lot of downtime, especially if you start mixing chasing snow geese you go from waterfall straight into turkey season. Oh yeah, I start in October. The second I get done with elk guiding, October to J January, there's a little bit of in-between time on specks and snows. And then March 6th, back into turkey mode. Yeah, yeah. But the summertime, honestly, is the only time I really have, you know, but then that's that's call tuning season. Right. You know, we're, we're jamming out in the basement and then I'm also edit we're, we're also editing everything from the year and oh it's it's you know what though i would not have it any other way i mean either no me neither man i i i don't want to sit here and sound like we're complaining because i'm not complaining i love what i do i am yeah. blessed beyond measure to be able to do what i do and i think you probably feel the same way yep the coolest part is all the people i get to meet i get to go hunt with and go to meet and and get to spend time with and and like that's to me like i'm not huge i don't really care about me shooting a turkey like even on my days off i i i, I my vendetta is again is challenging hunt so like i want to go to public land and kill kill a bird here like alabama it's really really tough i need to knock that state off but if it was just at home like i got my fiance or my friends or whoever's with me hey let's take you in the morning let's go get you on a bird you know, or I take, I do a few guided hunts in the spring for, for Leopold and I, they, they bring me new people all the time and I get to hunt with them and get to hear their story and just see them shake. And I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the getting new people involved or getting people that don't do it all the time involved and getting to see that those hunts and those experiences through their eyes, through fresh eyes, is that is super, super rewarding. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. that's 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 awesome. But so that's that is a cool story about how you got hooked up with them and involved with them. You know, yeah. I guess the point of all that is you're you're hustling. You figure out what you want and go make it happen. Yep. Yep. And sometimes you don't always know exactly what the end result's going to be. Right. Which I, I truly had no idea. You know, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. Let's dive feet first into it and stay true to what, who you are and what you're doing, because that's a, that's another thing. Just be real, man. And it'll follow, you know, people can see that from a mile away. So no, you're, you're spot on and, and people pick up on passion too. You know, they they get, man, this, this guy's on fire for this. That's what I want as part of my team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, that's so cool. So, so cool. But well, so let's talk about turkey hunt, turkey calling a little bit because obviously there's lots of ways to kill a turkey. I say it all the time, you know, turkey killing is easy. Turkey hunting is challenge and that's what makes that's what makes keeps me coming back is it's like no no two scenarios are quite the same every yep. bird's a little bit different i mean turkey's a turkey whether he's in florida or you know wyoming but they all act a little bit different you know they do some different things yep. um but getting started talk about your turkey tutorials a little bit what you, you if you've got somebody that doesn't know anything about getting started in turkey hunting, what are you going to tell them? So I usually go back to the basics, man. You probably, I want you to get a box call. So I, I, I think that's probably one of the most important things you can get. It's easy to run and it's going to get you into turkey hunting. I mean, we've, everybody's, everybody that's hunted turkeys knows that you've, you've killed turkeys with a box call. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, if you're getting into, you want to take the next step and get into mouth calls, I urge people to get, a, even if it doesn't sound that great, get a domed mouth call. So that's a, as, as an elk caller, it's training wheels. You know what I mean? It gives, it gives that same exact spot every time. Doesn't mean you can manipulate it like all the other calls, but it'll get to where you can put it in your mouth. You can make a noise with it and I'll just keep playing with that, making noises with it. Um, and so like on my tutorials, I break down every sound, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, I'm not gonna go through, uh, I'm not gonna go through on this podcast, one, I'm not gonna go through um, how to run a mouth call, you know what I mean? Sure. No, not expecting that. No, it's, it would take me too long. All I, all I can say, guys, if you're starting out, one, watch the videos, but two, just make a noise with that thing, put it in your mouth, go everywhere with it. You're gonna probably gag when you first use it. You're gonna probably have, you're probably going to have discomfort. It's going to tickle. It goes away. I promise. And for some of you, it may not, but I'm, I'm telling you after about a week of doing it, you're going to start making noise. What's so funny is my little brother got a mouth call before me when he was a kid and he's, he's making noise over there and I'm looking at him and I mean, I'm a, I can do it with my voice. And so I, but I'm like, I'm like, Hey, I'm like, dad, give me a mouth call. And he gave me one. I couldn't make a noise with it for like two weeks man this is and i finally started making noises with it and as i started making noises with it you know i'm obsessed so 
three hours a day, every day as a kid. Mom hated me. My little brother hated me. And my little brother quit calling because he just couldn't even stand the thought of listening to it. <laughs> so um, that's what it takes to get to that next level. Once you get to where you're making noises and you can shape that sound, I challenge you to get a, get a higher quality call, if that makes any sense. So like the calls that we make, like Woodhaven and some of the higher end calls out there are going to have rasp or some of the other ones aren't. A lot of, I'll, like, let me see here. I got, this is a good example. This, give, this give, us, give us some examples. That'd be great. That so, way you guys can head over to the website or find them in a store and they can check it all out and they know what they're looking for. <laughs> this, is a, this is a coyote howler, but this is very similar to what people use. Like they, they sell for just a basic turkey call and it goes. You hear that a lot, right? So you take a, take a, take a step up to a call that's got overhang and got some wraps, you can really accentuate it. So what's happening there on these mouth calls, and I remember like it was yesterday, the first time I ever threw a call in that had rasp. I was hunting with Jay Scott down in Arizona, and we were, we were down there hunting, and, and Jay had a used call, and I heard him using it, and I'm like, so Jay, I need to try that. And at that point, I had been running a lot of primos. You know, we grew up on the West Coast, lots of primos. We did not have good turkey calls. This is the first back east call I'd ever tried. And I yelled at it one time, and it went, I'm like, wow, that sounds way different than anything I've ever run. And then I started looking up videos, heard Grand Nationals for the first time, listening to Billy Yargis, Scott Ellis, all these amazing callers. And I go, holy cow. So dad and I went to Grant, to NWTF when I was 17, went to the Grand National Convention. And I heard Jim Pollard sat in front of me and he yelped like that. The first time I ever heard it in person, my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, because I thought at the time I was a good turkey caller. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a good turkey caller. Just, I heard him and I go, oh, my gosh, I've got so much work. <laughs> I took all the money I had saved up. I took it. Like, give me all of your mouth calls. I want them. Went home, practiced and practiced and practiced for probably a year. So we come back through Grand Nationals again the next year. And I actually competed that year. Didn't do worth the dang. I messed up on one of the calls, but I went out and I called those turkeys that I used to hunt. I used to hunt this hunt every single year. It was a youth hunt. I took some youth with me because um, I wasn't old enough. And I mean, I was too old at that point. So I went out there and that was the first thing I learned, a front end yelp that was set me apart. And I could cluck and purr and stuff, but I did that front end yelp. Those turkeys that I used to call at for two hours that were on these properties, I couldn't never get them to cross. And they they would finally do it after a few hours in my lap in minutes. I'm like, holy cow. I didn't think at first it would make a difference. I'm like, this actually, there's something to this. Right. And so now I get on the phone, my, my friend Aaron Warbritton from the hunting public, He's an amazing caller, and Aaron, I'm like sending videos every day to Aaron, to Jimmy, and the, and my I, Scott Ellis came hunting with me, and I'm sending it to Scott, and, and I'm like I'm like I gotta learn how to do all this, and like 
So I learned that, that how to make front ends on a V cut. I learned how to do side yelping. I learned how all these different things. It's what I call a grab bag. Do you have to have a grab bag to kill more turkeys? Absolutely not. You can kill turkeys by sitting and waiting for them. You can kill turkeys by just going. <laughs> Timing is everything with turkeys, but having something like having all these different sounds, and that includes a box call, that includes a slate call, having different sounds that achieve, uh, having different calls that achieve different sounds can be the difference between killing that bird that's locked up out there at 150 yards. Is sometimes you'll just hit that exact note, note that he wants to hear and He'll be right in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you'd give us a rundown like that, dude. I was going to ask for it. That's yeah. uh, you. So you guys listen, just got a taste of what I've seen on social media, what I've watched with Bo and why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I think you bring a fresh perspective to the, to calling. And like you said, it's easy to grab a call and, you know, and, get it done kill you know you can kill a lot of birds doing that kind of thing but taking it to that next level is man that is so cool so you said something you said you the first time you blew a call with overhang can you explain what overhang is let's see here let me grab one of these calls so you can really see it this is one this is my favorite here um let me get it so this is something that most southern boys know about but not all this is a Bo Brooks signature series. This is the one I hand make. It's I've been making it since Brooks Custom Calls. And it's actually a bat wing. Bat wings have just a barely little bit of overhang. It's it's a it's like a point of an arrow. It points over, and that where that point hangs over is where your rasp comes from. So if you don't have it, I'll put it upside down. It, it's clean. It doesn't have any rasp. But if you do have it. It's got full rasp. So in like a call, like a V cut, it's got three things hanging over. So it's got three sides. And so in that case, it's going to be more raspy than even this. And so that's why I like using a bat wing so much, by the way, is because it's got those openings and I can do everything on it. A V cut's really good for cutting and yelping, but anything else is, uh, I have a tough time with it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yep. that's I, I've run into the same thing with that. When the more with the V cuts, the more overhang that, that there ends up, the fewer sounds I can produce on it effectively. And that was that was one of the hardest things I ever learned how to do. Actually, I'm I'm pulling this one apart right now. Was you hear in all of mine? Like we'll get get into we'll just talk about that real quick. That is that front end. And when I say front end, yeah, that was another thing I was going to ask about. So it's a You hear that front? So most people on a V cut or any call is, you know what I'm saying? But having that two note, you'll hear it on a box call. And that gives the realism to the sound because it's not all rasp all the time. And so that gives your realism. What you got to do if you want to achieve that, which guys, it takes time to learn how to get a front end. 
like I was saying, it took me probably six months to a year to even hit it the first time. You got to take your tongue back on that call. You got to pull it back, tip of your tongue. <coughs> Present the air properly. And so I try and put it over the roof of my mouth and you're going to just want to hold that sound. <coughs> hold that sound. And once you get that, the rasp is easy. You just drop your jaw. So that's your lesson on a front end yelp. Uh, there's one other way to get one, and it's it's a rollover yelp. You push on the right side of the call at the tip of your tongue on like a bat wing, and you get a key. This call's getting a little raspy for it. You're gonna hit that key and you're gonna drop your jaw. You know what that sounded like when you first did that, that it sounded like a cow elk. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I and so that's one thing. I mean, I'm up on the world elk stage. And I can, I, I, they, people talk to me, you know, you, you can do all these different sounds. I'm like, it's from turkey calling, man. I'm telling you, I've learned how to manipulate a call so much further. It's, it's or, you know what I mean? And so compared to all sorts of different, like 13 different sounds that you have to learn how to present air, just, it's really cool, you know? And some, in some ways, elk calling has taught me more about turkey calling. I mean, turkey call, yeah, about turkey calling. So. You know, it's it's really cool. Just the mouth call can achieve so many different things and just how you place it and how you use it. So on an everyday turkey hunt with Bo Brooks, you're probably going to rely pretty heavily on a mouth call, I'm betting. But what else is in your arsenal? Man, um, so this is what I don't I don't leave home with. I don't leave home without my box call. And I kill a lot of turkeys with a box call. You know what I mean? It's, it is not Dude. something, and I am not gonna, and it helps me not ruin my mouth calls because I'm trying to locate with it or whatever. I also, believe it or not, don't leave home without a goose call. And I use a goose call for a raven. I can't do, I can do it with my voice. <laughs> but if you, if you use that raven for a crow, it's so loud, it travels, and I use it to get in tight on gobblers. Um, I always have, um, I always take a strutter for the most part. Sometimes I'll take a Jake, but I always have a male bird for my decoy setup. And I always have one hen with it. I always like those two, at least my favorite, my favorite setup of all time is a strutter feeder hen and a lay down hen. That's my favorite. If I could have everything I want, yeah. but in some cases you don't. And so I don't like hunting with just a hen. What I find out with hunting with just a hen is I get them out there, pass a decoy, and they'll strut it 100 yards or 60 yards, and sometimes they won't come all the way in. But if you have an, a, a male bird, if they see it, a lot of times they're going to either come in or they're going to leave. So It's interesting that you say that because I've gone to – just made some posts talking, talking with different guys, and I just made a Facebook post the other day about – talking about decoys and asking guys, you know, what their preferences are about decoys. And I wrote a blog in a kind of on based on 
my experiences the last few years of different things. Um, I don't say, I, I try not to, and it can't always do it, but I want your, I want your thoughts on this. I try not to set up where a bird can strut out there at a hundred yards or you 70 gotta, or 80 yards. I literally try to use topography and terrain to the point where if that bird commits and comes looking for me, he's going, when he starts looking, he's in range. That's so that's, that's a great point. And if you have the option to do that, yeah, then that is perfect. Logging roads is really tough. You know, they pop out on it. And like down here, there's a lot of places that you just don't have it. Like mountain birds, man, you can, the reason I like using a decoy for mountain birds is they come over the top of that hill instead of going like this all freaked out, they come in full strut and beat up the decoy at 10 yards. And so, you know, can you kill them without it? Yeah, using top topography. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, that's part of being a woodsman. And honestly, I mean, elk hunter too, or any, you know what I mean? It's just being a hunter, getting that. I love it. I love having a little crest of a hill in between me and that bird, or I like to be, and I, that being said, for everybody that's listening, I like to be at the same height or above a tom. I don't really like to be below him yep. unless it's like a crest of a hill and I'm right at the edge of it. So he has to just pop his head up. Yeah, they, they come over and they start looking over that backside of that hill. I've done that. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you, man. It's like either on the same level or above. They'll come right it, up. I, I, yeah, they'll come They'll come right up to you. But yeah. getting them to come down, it's like, and it's weird because you think getting a bird, he has the advantage, especially if you've got a strutter there. He's, yeah. If he's coming downhill, he's at, he's got the advantage but it's just easier to pull them uphill. It, it, I don't know what it is, but they just come uphill like it's like it's nothing. Coming downhill, they can be fired up and they'll do it. But it's 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 really been a lot harder. I had um, Mark Drury with me one time, and I'm like, he's he, there's a valley in between me and this bird, and the bird's up on the other ridge, and we're right here, Colin. And I was talking with Mark. I said, I said I'm telling you, these mountain birds, man. They come up and he's going to come right behind us. He wants to get above us and come right. We need to get up higher. We didn't have time. We sat down. He comes down the hill just a tad, hits it and walks right around and then goes straight up and right above us. And I'm like, oh man, goblin at 10 yards behind me. And Mark's down there below me at 10 yards in front of me. And he'd have to shoot over my head. And we're like, and he goes, gone. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, and you'll learn your stride. Any turkey hunter will figure out what works for them, but it's just, there's little things like that. I learned that actually from obviously years of turkey hunting, but remember first time someone said it to me, Scott Ellis was hunting with me and Scott, amazing turkey hunter. And Scott goes, he's like, we got to get up there at the same level as him. I, I did that. And that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, man. That's exactly what we need to do. And like, that's, that's awesome. And so no, little things like that. That, yeah little things like that like you said being a woodsman being a student of the woods a student of hunting you pick up on those things i've had birds do the same thing where they come around the head end of a valley and i'm like halfway down and they'll i've literally had them standing above me on rim rock gobbling at me like and they're yeah. they're 40 yards behind me but they're yeah. straight up over my head standing on a piece of rim rock looking down at me you know and it's like yeah so it's just funny it's just funny how that works but oh it's interesting to get your take on that because like i said i've had some i've had some tough 
encounters the last couple of years with decoys with birds that see us see us it doesn't matter what it is like a strutter or a jake or a pear and they're just like mm, nope don't think so you know yeah they, they get they've been beat up they've been beat on and public land is, is another one that, that that's happened a lot to me on where they'll come in and they'll see that they'll see that decoy and if there's a if there's a strutter or a taunt or a jake decoy with it i've seen them you know they shuffle their wings change body posture completely changes head changes color and they turn and walk off yeah, and it's and like the one man, thing that's frustrating one thing i will say is if they do do that then you got tomorrow you've learned you know what i mean um and that's what i'm usually going to default to using that setup but if they're doing that then you're in a great position to go pick the decoys up slip in there because he still wants to find that hen usually yep. and you get around there and have them come looking for you because that's a great tactic getting him to come look for you get his attention shut up and he'll come looking no so. i i you're absolutely right i i agree like the one of the birds i killed last year um was in a river bottom in Montana uh, on the Yellowstone, actually on public land. Yeah. Heavily hunted public land. Yep. And this bird gobbled one time. Yep. And it was right before a thunderstorm, spring thunderstorm came through. Oh, yeah. I located gobble. He shot gobbled at me and then I yelped a couple times and he gobbled. He answered me and I didn't hear a peep from that bird. And I remember the camera guy. I, 45 minutes in camera guy looks at me he's like how long are we gonna sit here and i said what else do you have to do this afternoon it's a beautiful it's a beautiful day let's just sit here and see what happens we don't have any there's no time constraints on us and we sat there and it was like 90 minutes later i literally just got done kind of scratching the leaves and i purred a little bit on a, on a pot call and looked up and his head's he's at 20 yards standing there looking at me over one of those little berms that we were just talking about yep. he never even saw the decoys the decoys were off to the left and he was right in front of me had look you know echo located me just pinpointed me yep. and just slipped in totally totally quiet and just was in range and i said he went behind a big cottonwood tree gave us opportunity to me to get the gun up get the camera on all that stuff yeah yeah and we, and we got him killed but it was like i, I wonder how many birds like that that take that long how many of those do you walk away from you know i'll tell you one thing this is so awesome that you brought that up everyone thinks when they associate Miriams, they're thinking dumb birds gobble all the way to the gun barrel when they get pressured honest to the lord they turn into easterns because that's how easterns are gobble once or twice and then they're in their lap after a little while so they i don't know how to explain it like there's some i mean patience patience kills more turkeys than anything getting in in a spot if he's gobbling or whatever just give him time because a lot of times he's not gonna be able to take it and so knowing where you're at is important too so that's really heavily hunted public land we have some of that at home to get that i used to actually guide on i was i worked for a guy and man it was not like normal Merriam turkey hunting. We, I walked these poor guys every day that I was taking at like 12 miles a day. They were not ready for it. They just out to get a I, we ended up killing that whole season. I hunted probably 20 something days. We ended up only getting six birds. So, I mean, just to give a little perspective, like they can get really smart, really quick. And, and so, you know, 
my rule of thumb when they're not pressured though, if they're not goblin, let's go kill. Let's go find one. Of yeah, I same thing. If I'm on if I'm on ground, I know hasn't seen a lot of pressure. Yeah, let's run and gun. Let's cover ground. Find it. Find an aggressive bird that wants to play. That wants to commit. Yeah, it's just but a cool. It's a cool experience. It it is, and that's it. And but if you're on a place that's got a lot of pressure, that's getting hunted a lot, patience is your friend, man. And that is from Florida to all the way up into the Pacific Northwest. I mean, anywhere in the country that having that patience and getting in a good spot and knowing you're in a good spot and making, and honestly making realistic sounds. And honestly, the, the other part, I, I get off on tangents, obviously. Here. No, you're good. This is gold, but like, man. But like, you know, when I say being realistic, doesn't mean get out there and go, bah, 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 kah, 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 kah. just because I could do all of that doesn't mean that's what you should do. If I am, I, everything I do, I want to do it with purpose, with emotion. So if I'm on a really high pressure bird, and then looking at my phone and saying, you know what? I'm not going to call for 15 minutes. Let him think about that for a little bit. Because that bird knows where you're at. That, he hasn't forgotten. And so, and that, I mean, this is, I'm telling you, this works from Florida all the way to the top of the country. It's, it's, and it sounds stupid, but I mean, I'm telling you, I, that's what I'll do. I will call and then I will force myself to wait. I'll sit there because I love to call, but I'm like, let's just, let's just make him think about it a little bit, you know? And, and a lot of times you'll hear, yeah, he'll be right there. And, 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 and scaling up your call isn't a bad thing either. If it's not working after a little while, you've been sitting there all day, but you're being purposeful with it, cut and yelp at him. Shut her down. Let him think about that for a while. You know, and that could be just a last thing that break him. So. No, you're, everything you're saying is, is so so spot on with I'm, and I'm sure just not my own experiences but with a lot of people that are a lot of people out there listening to this going man that makes total sense I I think about the last handful of Miriams we've killed here in Wyoming all public ground all DIY stuff birds are getting pressured and the last the last couple that I've had success on is exactly what you're talking about yep. gobble a little bit and it's like they're gobbling are you still there about every 15 to 30 minutes they'll gobble and yep. it's and then they're quiet and then all of a sudden like you said you hear that that drum you, you know they're alone you know after know. late in the season like that you know they're alone but they're still they're just getting hammered man and yep. if they you every person's gonna walk up there and hop, 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 hop. he's gonna gobble hop, hop, hop. he doesn't gobble okay i'm gonna walk down there hop, 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 blow, him out. blow him out Yep. Be purposeful with your calling, man. Yep. And I, yeah, I mean, and was, another was, thing, another thing that I found out in the West is sound travels so much better out here that the birds sound further away than they really are. Yeah, yeah, it does. It travels really well, uh, man. It it depends on where you're at. Sometimes you'll be you'll hear him and you're like, oh crap, he's right there, and he'll be far, and some and it, or he'll be across the canyon. And other times you'll hear him and he'll be right there. Yeah, it, it is funny. What, what gets me is Florida. I get 
if I get one to gobble, I have learned sit down because that stuff is so thick there. It's like, holy cow. Like every time I've ever tried to go around the corner, like I'm hunting Marion's or something, he's standing right in the road. You're like, yeah, it's, 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 uh, know where you're at, man, because it's, you know, the, the hills travel different than the flatland, man. Like I've got some cool video this year. I'm sitting there and I heard one off in distance. I'm like, oh man, what is that? And I get, I'm like, I look out in the field and I see him out there and he's just out there going, pow, pow, and I can't hear him. It's not Wendy. He's just gobbling his head off in the middle of this field. It is not traveling to me at all. It's just, it's, it's incredible. And so, and that's, that's what blind calling comes in. You know, there's birds in the area. You're caught. He may not, you may not be able to hear him. You know, he could just be down in a little, little creek down there. He could be over the hill. He could be coming, you know, there's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that's just, when you think you're going to stand up, give it another 15 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is so true. So true. And that was that bird I was telling you about. I shot in Montana had four different pellet sizes in him. He had oh, my, wow. my number nine TSS. He had like an old lead number four in like a, his right leg. And he had a copper plated like six. And then he had a flight stopper from Federal Premium, a piece of flight stopper lead in him too. And I was shooting straight nine, straight three inch number nine Federal Premium TSS. Yeah. And I got him home, broke, started breaking down. I'm like, holy smokes man he was old i mean he was old he'd been around the block he'd seen it uh biggest spurs i've ever seen on a miriam's bird he looked like an eastern i mean he had like two inch spur he broke one off and the other one was an absolute hook i was like i've never seen that on a miriam's ever but that's the only bird i've ever killed that lived in a river bottom too yeah mountain mountain birds they not very often the biggest i've ever seen were inch and a half yeah that's incredible. That's an old bird. It's, it, doesn't it feel rewarding though? After you get a bird like that, that is that bird means more to you than, than all the, and then, I mean, I love it when they come in fast, but it means a lot. So. Yeah, no, it does. It, it, it's one that you remember, you, re, you just remember those hunts because you worked so hard to kill those birds. And yeah, it's, I hope everybody gets that experience at least a couple times turkey hunting where the fun, like you said, the ones that come that come bum rushing in, and those are fun, man. But man, those ones that you work for and earn, those are rewarding. You know them, man. You get to know them, and and I mean, even even for someone like me that travels all across the country and only spends a few days in each spot, you know, you get a you get to learn. You know, you get you get the chance to. It's really cool to get to hunt with other people and learn because I've I learned that from a lot of different people. You know, like no, that bird's going to come in really you think so i'm sure you don't want to get on another one no and then all of a sudden he's there you know and so it that's a that's a ballad of hunting man always keep learning i don't care how good you think you are there's something that something someone knows and every bird is different and just try and go in with an open mind no you man that is so so true it's it's funny, you know, I, I grew up in Michigan. Listeners probably know that about me. And I grew up way up north. We didn't have turkeys. We had to we had to travel into the lower peninsula to hunt turkeys. Yeah. And you know, you had to learn and didn't know any didn't know what you're talking about. I remember going to expos and watching listening to Matt Moret and talk, you know, 
listening to turkey guys talk about Walter Parrott talking about all these things about hunting turkeys. That's how you learn. And dude, I bet it took me three or four years before I actually called in a long beard, you know, and, and, and killed it. And it's so hard. So you, you take that experience hunting Easterns and you get pretty good at it. So you're killing, you're filling all your tags, you're helping all the buddies kill birds. And you're, you're like, yeah, I'm good at this. I, I know what I'm doing. And then you go to someplace else like Tennessee and get your butt kicked, you know? Yep. Yep. Like, one, one, for some reason, one day could be the most beautiful day. The woods are dead and they just don't gobble. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, everywhere you go is different. I mean, it's Tennessee's so different up to, up to Michigan, so different to out West is so different. And there's a lot of constants there. But trying to learn from each one of those will make you a make you a turkey killer, not a turkey caller or a turkey hunter. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And that's that's you know getting ready to getting amped up to go back to Iowa and hunt and hunt Minnesota a little bit too while I'm there. It's like I'm I'm stoked because it's I don't get to hunt Easterns much anymore, and yeah. so it's kind of fun. But man, I've got to change how I do stuff. You know, I, it's like put the call in your pocket. <laughs> take it out of your mouth after you call a little bit put it in your pocket and wait like you said wait 15 minutes it's just it's so different yeah well i'm i I like it i love hearing eastern's gobble but i mean it's just a part of it i my my heart's in the mountains man no i'm with you i'm with you it's you start hunting turkeys out here and it's so similar to hunting elk like you said you get to run and gun you cover 10 10, 12 miles in a day, you know, and, and it's just fun. It's, it's just, and it's a great time of year to be in the woods. Like you said, you find shed antlers, you maybe pick some mushrooms, you know, can't beat it. Can't beat it. Absolutely. Oh, that's super cool, man. But we have had, we've been on for quite a while and covered a lot of ground, man. And I, I, I sure appreciate your time. And uh, if you guys, want to learn more about hunting turkeys about calling turkeys Bo has Bo is your guy and we will try to include a link in the description or whatever we can do Bo to get people headed over to see your tutorials in the meantime check him out on Facebook check him out on Instagram check out the YouTube your YouTube channel that that Bo hunts those YouTube videos, bow hunts, those things are great. Bow hunting, yep. It's bow uh, hunting. That's what it is. It's on Higdon Outdoors YouTube channel, and uh, I just can't thank you enough for giving me a chance to come on here and talk about what I love, man. It's it's such a such a cool opportunity to get to talk to someone that loves it just as much as I do, and it's actually got the perspective of being out west and and doing both. It's it's there's there's a few of us like it that love to hunt turkeys out west, so. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Well, Bo, I always shut down with, uh, or close it out, try to close out every podcast with a question. And I know you're, I know you're an avid waterfowler as well. So if you're only going to be able to hunt one bird, one way for the rest of your life, what's it going to be? Oh man. (laughs) Can I have two? That would be, um, Man, it's 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 definitely mountain turkeys, but they better give me some give me some tags in a lot of states. <laughs> I know I, I hear you. I want yep. one in Montana. I want one in Oregon. One in Washington. One in Wyoming. Yeah, you name it. Yeah, and that and my number two 
my number two by far is Hunt Widgeon and Widgeon on the Pacific Northwest. So they're they're uh, pretty close. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, we'll have to have you back on after after duck season or during duck season next year. We can we can talk yep. about ducks and talk about duck calling and goose calling because yep. power calls and and Higdon Outdoors are staple in the in the outdoor space when it comes to waterfowl and turkey and you guys are killing it. What's speaking, getting back to the brand a little bit before I let you go without tipping your hand to too much. What do you guys have in the process? What do you guys have new coming out this year? Man, we've got or, some... out, or out there right now for guys to go look at. Well, we, um, we're coming out with some new calls for next year. A lot of new calls. It's going to be awesome. Um, as far as we actually came out with a new blind, it's a, uh, for waterfowl hunting, it's called the Versa blind. It is a completely universal, panel style blind but you can use it in the water or land it has adjustable legs um, you don't have to have bars in between it made in um, optifade it's pretty dang cool um that's we, on the mo that's i'm assuming that's on the momarsh side momarsh yep yep and so we we actually we own momarsh we actually um we just acquired clone we have the clone it's pretty pretty dang cool for snow goose hunting um, as far as turkey stuff goes, I've got a new product I'm coming out with next year that is going to blow the socks off the industry. So it's going to be pretty amazing. So we'll have to have a conversation next year about it. Heck yeah, man. No, I'd love to have you back on and uh, and talk about that. And we can talk a lot about a lot more than that. But uh, good luck on the rest of your hunts this spring, Bo. And dude, I really appreciate your time coming on and, and teaching us all up on turkeys. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks, man. You have a good one and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, buddy.